continue in worship this morning. You know, we, we are reminded of many things. Easter speaks to many of us. Some of you know this Easter story. In fact, uh, you can get up here and, and you can share. You know, Calvin, you're the only cutter here. You know, so you can get up here and I can just pass it off to you. And I think you would probably do a fine job. You know, then you have Leland back there that has heard many Easter messages that I'm sure he could patch them all together and it would be uh, good enough. Right, Leland? You want to come up here and take care of that? No? Are you sure? And Cooper, he's at college. He's learned lots of things. They may not have taught you about Easter, but, but, but you've heard enough of these messages, haven't you? And I'm sure you remember every single one of them. You know, are you sure? Maybe one of them? Maybe, you don't have to say yes. You know, even Daniel, you can get up here. You know, or if I wanted to pick on Jordan, I think she'd give me a good voice or a good face over there. Jordan, you know, because here's the thing. Most of us understand this Easter message. And some of you may be new to the church, or, or you, may not, you may think you don't know. You, you've heard portions of it. And so my challenge is not to share a new message, but to remind us of what we have already heard. Because sometimes when we hear it again, something different hits. Something different happens because we're in a different place than we ever been. You have never been here today. And you will never have an, an environment like this again. This is the one time in history where all of us will be together. Now, many of us will come back again, but, but there will be many who won't, who can't. And those of you watching this online, you're, you're at a place that you will never be again. And so I share this Easter message in hopes that you will not just sit there and go, I wonder if I've already known this, or wonder where he's going to go next. Because then you may miss may miss something. I, I encourage you to do what I try to do every Easter as I preach this same story again and again. Is to be present with the story again so I don't miss it again and again. And as I sat in this story, I, I, I see I see some things within this story. Here's the words uh, based out of the Gospel of Luke this morning. Two other men, both criminals, were also let out with Jesus to be executed. And they came to the place called the Skull. I mean, what an interesting name. I mean, we have the name the Hill. You know, and if we're around here, we all know where the Hill is. It's just up a little hill, not far from the Straders. In fact, if you look hard enough, you see the Straders' property, you know, um, with that. You know, came to the place of the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. I'm going to skip uh, that next verse. The people stood watching, and the rulers sneered at him. They said, He saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written a notice above him which read in his charges, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung their world insult at him, Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. See, what we see here by some of those at the cross is what our world will try to encourage us at that time. They will encourage us into entitlement. 
See, they thought they were entitled that Jesus would do something. They thought they were entitled to what they, they, they thought was supposed to happen. And sometimes we can be, feel entitled, like we are deserved something. The thought of that one criminal. I don't know if he was on the right or the left, it really doesn't matter. But he says, if you are the Messiah, save yourself and us. He felt entitled that if he really was who he said he was, then he deserved to be saved. He deserved to get something out of nothing. And sometimes that is where we are in our world. Where we feel like someone owes us something. We've done something for them, therefore when the time is right, I will get paid back. You know, they will have to do what I want, or, or we think that, that we are owed something because of, of a bunch of different things. When we get this sense of entitlement, there is a sense of pride, a sense of I'm above someone else. And if it's taken too far, we have this trait that we call narcissism. Well, let's be honest. As much as I said this, some of you probably had ideas of someone that you would label as entitled or narcissistic or prideful. The reality is, is that's a little bit of all of us. We all, at times, think of this. There's a portion of it within all of us. We'd rather not admit that, but we do. We'd rather not admit that sometimes we, too, are like that criminal on the cross. And sometimes it is we who have heard this story, who have already submitted to this story, who believe we deserve God to do something on our behalf because I believe. And when that doesn't happen, we're left wondering. We're left discouraged. We're left hopeless. Now you may think, I, I'm not really there and, and, and that may be true. Then there's some of us and some of the world that feel like we don't deserve anything. It is the opposite of what I've just said. I don't deserve it. So we see ourselves as almost the scum of the earth. And we don't say that in a, in a, a nice, positive way. We really believe we deserve nothing. And we believe that nothing good should ever happen. So if something could happen, it must have been a mistake. You know, there's a portion of this that is good and healthy that we ought to realize this. But sometimes we walk around. And what leads us in both of these cases is to be devoid of hope. If we think we deserve something, we will be disappointed every single day. And probably throughout. If you think you don't deserve anything, you will find reasons to believe you don't deserve anything and you will be left hopeless, longing for something else. But that's not the story of Scripture. And if we aren't careful, when we are devoid of hope, when we are truly hopeless, it starts to breed within us this sense of unforgiveness. So I challenge you, how would you finish this statement? 
I could never forgive what comes to mind. Where did your brain go? I could never forgive someone who hurt you in the past. You still remember it? You know? How dare they have said that? They shouldn't have said it. Very much could be true. For some of us, including myself, it isn't someone else, it's myself, ourselves. I could never forgive myself for, and you might have a laundry list of things that may be true. And so you live with this burden of unforgiveness. Maybe some of you, maybe you're not willing to admit, but I've admitted over the years. There have been times when, and depending on where I was, I would answer this, I could never forgive God because of something he didn't do or did, I may do. That I thought was undeserved. Now that may be scary to admit. Because we'd like to say, well, we, we, we trust God. And I'm not saying that some of the things that happen are necessarily truth in the idea that it is 100% objective truth. But, you know, there have been times in my life, and maybe in your life, if you're somewhat like me, let's, let's hope you're not fully like me, or me like you. Or maybe if I'm like you, not if I'm like you, I'd be better off than I. No? Oh, uh, maybe so. I'd be a little smarter. You know, where, where we realize that there have been things that have been done that we took, we perceived as a hurt, as a pain, as what someone really meant, and then we come to realize it wasn't true at all. You know, what we thought was true wasn't really true. But there's an injury, there's a pain, there's a hurt that happens. We sing of the goodness of God, but yet sometimes we wonder, is God really good? And we're taught that forgiveness must be earned. you got to earn forgiveness. Yet, Easter gives us a different teaching than we are taught that forgiveness must be earned. That you have to do something to earn forgiveness. Sometimes, as we will learn over the next couple of weeks as we dive into this topic of forgiveness, we learn that forgiveness means forgetting, right? At least that's what we've been taught, maybe. But Jesus rose from the grave, amen? amen? But his scars didn't go away. He may forgive, but it's not like he forgot. To forget is to some extent to be able to say, it really didn't matter. Now, there are many things in my life I have forgotten. And the older I get, the more I will forget. See? Pastor King gets me. All right? I hope what I forget are some more of those pain points in my life, more of that hurt in my life. But what I know about us as human beings is we tend to forget the good and we remember the pain. We remember the bad. What, what forgiveness will show us if we will submit to the Easter story is that forgiveness will teach us we will remember differently than we had before. Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he had scars still. 
And in the book of Revelation, we read, and the lamb who looked as if he was slain. Those didn't go away. But Jesus, in giving our example because of Easter, because of rising from the grave, he remembers the scars differently. And we too can. So I skipped over a couple verses if you're astute this morning. One of those I had skipped over intentionally was verse 34 where it says, Jesus said, from the cross, here's what he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. I thought we were taught forgiveness must be earned. And here on the cross, Jesus reminding me and you this Easter Sunday, if you don't deserve forgiveness, you cannot earn forgiveness, and you don't need to wait to earn forgiveness for it to be offered. He looks at those responsible. And even in his pain and in his suffering and in his full humanity, he does something that is incomprehensible comprehensible to you and I. He gives the olive branch first. Does this mean all took it? No. But he offered it. He offered forgiveness for what was going on. In spite of what was going on, in spite of being mocked, in spite of being ridiculed. Now we may think this is an amazing thing, and it is. But you know, if Jesus can't offer this, then what he has taught earlier in the book from the Gospel of Luke and in the Gospel of Matthew would be hypocrisy. Because he said, forgive those who persecute you. Love your enemies. And now he backs up his words, his teaching, with the utterances on the cross. Father, forgive them. And because he rose again, no wonder there's power in his words when he says, if you forgive one another, your heavenly Father will forgive you, but if you do not forgive one another, so too you will not be forgiven. He makes a deliberate choice to offer forgiveness before they were asked. Where do you need to hear that forgiveness? He said, I don't deserve it. Jesus didn't ask anybody if they wanted it or deserved it. He offered it. What about you this morning? What have you done in life if you think you can't earn forgiveness? Jesus is saying, forgive them. And then we read again as we go on, verse 40. The other criminal, one of the others, I, I wish I knew if he was on the right or left. He says to the, the criminal, they're talking across Jesus. Don't you kind of love when we have those conversations at times? You know, have you ever been in the middle of one of those conversations where they're kind of talking about you but not to you? You know, and they're talking across you? You know, this is happening. And I marvel at this because the, the whole crucifixion process was not one that you were supposed to be able to kind of talk through. Okay, this wasn't a pleasant kind of conversation. 
You know, in, in the pain, the ones, the one mocking the saying, you know, urging the Messiah, save yourself and save us. But the other one, as he noticed this, the other gospel said at one time, the, the second criminal were saying very similar things to the rest of it. And there's something about what Jesus is doing in those midst that he comes to see something different. And he says, don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for what we are getting, for what where we are getting what our deeds deserve. See, both those criminals were probably Jews. They had an understanding of Jewish law. These were the worst of the worst of the worst. I imagine there's no one here who probably did the things these two did. There were two reasons. You were crucified in those days. Murder and terrorism against the state of Rome. I don't believe there's probably anyone here who matches that. And so, Calvin, you just stay alert over there, okay? Alright? There probably isn't. In fact, we would say if there are two people who don't deserve any forgiveness or grace or should get exactly what they deserve. Those are the people in life. Those who intentionally maim other people. Those who intentionally hurt other people. The worst of the worst of the worst. And this one criminal, at least, probably both of them, the one was just really kind of just going out of care. He says who he is. Maybe he can help me out. Maybe he can give me what I don't want. He can save me and I'll be off to do it again, maybe. Or as we talked about Thursday, the third criminal, Barabbas. But he goes on to say, we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. As we read the Easter story again and again, if you read it this week, you will see there are many others who, who, who came to the same conclusion. Pilate, Herod, and now a third man. This Jesus, who is on the cross in the middle, doesn't deserve what is going on. And when he came to that realization, he turns to Jesus, and he uttered these words. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I believe that criminal knew he didn't deserve grace. He deserved what he was getting what he deserved. And in our world, we want sometimes this sense of justice. We want people to get what they deserve, and sometimes we inflict our own sense of justice on ourselves. How dare someone give me grace? I don't deserve that. And so we will try to humiliate and demean, and we will leave ourselves in a hopeless situation, but because the tomb is empty, hope can be yours. He didn't deserve grace. He knew that. And so he pleased for mercy and grace, but he is, I don't think he knew exactly what he meant. And I don't think he knew exactly what in the world was going to happen next. Remember me when you come into my, in your kingdom. Someday, Lord, someday, Jesus, when you come back, if you really are the Messiah, you will come back. He knew the idea the Messiah was going to come in his kingdom. When that day comes, will you, will you try to remember me? Wow. 
And then Jesus utters this promise of grace, of mercy, and hope. Truly, I tell you, you hear that? Truly, truly. Truly, I tell you. He didn't, and then what does he say? Today. Today. Yeah, he didn't just say, truly, I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. That would be a wonderful statement in and of itself. And the guy would have said, yeah, I get that. But he said, truly, today. I wonder if at that point in time, the criminal goes, oh, in his head, he's going, oh, what, what? I didn't say today. I was hoping someday. And Jesus says, today, you will be with me in paradise. One of my favorite pastors that I've ever uh, heard is a, a Scottish guy by the name of Alistair Beck. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but if you like accents, Alistair Begg has a great Scottish brogue. I mean, that's where he's from. I believe he's a pastor up in the Cleveland area. You know, uh, when I was at Cedarville, I heard him many times. And uh, this past week, I think it was Friday evening, you know, as I was finally looking to go to bed, right around 11.30 or so, I pulled him up on YouTube, and he has a great sermon based somewhat on this text that he gave a couple years ago about the man on the middle of the cross. And you need to watch all of it, go all summarize a little bit uh, with that. Because what we see here goes against the grain sometimes of even our modern evangelical conservative Christian thinking. Because what we don't see here is a true confession of faith, do we? He doesn't ever pray a prayer of salvation, does he? He's not been baptized. He's not gone to the synagogue. He's not been in a church membership class. He's never, Jeff, close your ears, turn your hearing aids off if you want, okay? He's never given a dime to the church. Those who knew it all were the ones sneering at him. Save yourself. 
the less you know, the better off you probably are. And this man just knew enough that Jesus didn't deserve what he was doing. And Jesus uttered a second word of forgiveness. Today you will be with me in paradise. Because life with Jesus starts now and goes on into eternity. Oh, to be that man. I don't know, because Luke doesn't tell us the rest on whether or not that changed much of what happened to him next. We know according to Scripture and according to the church tradition and the tradition of those who saw this historically accurate account that Jesus was the first death. And they were amazed at this. Because it should have taken longer. But see, we see throughout even our little passage this morning that Jesus stays in control. No wonder he can utter words of forgiveness and of hope. Because it would be later that when Jesus calls out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, he had said this, and he breathed his last. And another person there utters words a centurion said, surely this was a righteous man, or in one of the other uh, Gospels, the Son of God. Surely, there's something there. You want to know one of the most powerful witnesses we will have in the days to come, I believe, if we want to call ourselves the people of God, will be the mark that Jesus gives us on the cross. But we are able and willing, we are always able, the question is whether or not we are willing, is to forgive somebody else. And that somebody else may have to start with us. Many of us carry around this sense of unforgiveness for things we have seen and done. Some of our military veterans have seen and done things that they would say is unforgivable. And that gets too hard for them to even mention. And our hope to them is, you know what? You may think it's unforgivable. There is one who's already uttered the offer of forgiveness. Father, forgive them. The prayer of the very first martyr of the church, Stephen, as said in Acts chapter 7, are there these words? It says in Acts chapter 7, starting in verse 55, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open up. I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing there. While they were there, Stephen fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Father, forgive them, was his last words. That only happens because the tomb was empty. 
They only happens because Jesus was willing to be the example to say even in his pain, even in his scarring and in his suffering, he's going to utter the words that he's uttered many times before. Father, forgive them. And in the paradox of Easter, the crowd, the leaders, the other criminals said, save us, save us, save yourself. And they asked, if you can save yourself, then you can save others. Jesus was doing that. He was saving others by not saving himself. He was saving others by offering forgiveness. For forgiveness provides hope. We live in a world that's looking for hope in many, many ways. We, as people of God, are looking for hope. We don't always get this right, do we? Sometimes we walk around with the hurt and the pain, and we're afraid if we forgive, it means that we must forget that pain. But forgiveness provides hope that we can remember the pain differently. Not that it goes away. As I've already said, when Jesus rose, his scars didn't go away. In fact, that is the only, that is the, the hallmark of when Thomas said, I'm not going to believe what you say until I see him. And in the Gospel of John, in that miraculous encounter, see, because Jesus already appeared to some of them anyways, terrible, and, and Thomas happened to be late for the party. Okay, I don't know where Thomas was, but he wasn't there. So, isn't that how it goes sometimes in life? Good things happen when we miss it. And we can be exasperated. We go, oh, I can't forgive myself. I didn't. I didn't get it that time. And it was when Jesus comes again to them. He appears again to them. And Thomas sees the scars in his hands. He feels the side. And he bows down and he says, My Lord and my God. They were there. That's how Thomas knew it was Jesus. Jesus remembers his scars differently than what others wanted him to remember. They wanted him to know that he was a condemned criminal. They wanted him to remember these were the signs of the fact that you were not who you said you were. And Jesus says, watch this. <laughs> you meant it, Paul may have said, for, or Joseph would say, you meant it for evil, but God made it for good that many lives would be saved. That's why when we teach our young kids the story of Joseph, we better be able to help them to see how that thread is going to go all through Scripture to Jesus himself. And when we teach the story of Jesus Christ, we ought to be able to take that story back to Joseph himself. Where we realize the forgiveness that is there. Do you need, will you accept forgiveness this morning? Will you allow the words that were uttered to the criminal to be words for you? Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, I hope none of you perish today. I hope I don't. But you know what? When we receive the forgiveness of Jesus, paradise comes. 
today, not just something. The tomb is empty now because we have just a hope someday, but we have hope today. And that's what we can do. You say, I don't know that I know enough. You don't need to know enough. You need to know that Jesus says, Father, forgive them. And you just sometimes make the, the Lord's Prayer or the prayer of salvation we need to just, just need to praise the words of the criminal here. Jesus, remember me. Remember me, Lord. Don't remember my sin. Remember me. As I close, Alistair Bagginess' sermon, as I mentioned earlier, goes on to say words like this. Whatever, if we were to get to heaven, some of you remember the four laws that I did. If you were to die tonight and you went up to heaven, what would you say about why I should be put in? Let in. And he goes on to say, if we start that answer with, I believed, or I prayed, or I was baptized, we're already off the mark. For to answer that question in the first person is to misunderstand the story. But if we will say something like, because Jesus died and rose again, and he sees me as his own, or on the right path. See, our world will say, I, I, we. Scripture says, He. He died. He rose again. And because of that, we live. Does that mean it's not important to believe good, right things? No, it is. Does it mean it, it, it's wrong to be baptized? No, it is right to be baptized. But if we start to think that because of our baptism, because of our beliefs, because of how much money we may or may not give to a church, or our involvement in the church is what gets us to deserve the forgiveness, the cross will say, absolutely not. It is because he was willing to utter, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And then to say, truly today you'll be with me in paradise. And then to say, it is finished. That we have hope. It is in Christ. In Christ alone. So this Easter, I ask you to receive forgiveness. Jesus has offered it. All he got to say is, remember me, O Lord. And then for those of you who have already offered it, or have already received it, let me give you the hardest step of Easter. Offer it. You might say, well, Pastor, I, you don't know what has been done. You're right, I don't. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what has been done to me. Offer it. Offer it to somebody. And start small. I mean, if I wanted to take my own, and I do want to live out my own words, I might offer forgiveness to my kids. Because you know what? They were a little bit of stinkers yesterday. <laughs> I blame Joyce Bowl. She gave them candy. She didn't know it, but it's all her fault. Maybe I should just offer forgiveness to Joyce. It's a little easier for Joyce. Now, why? Why? They were stinkers yesterday. But I can look at that and go, you know what? In the grand scheme of things, no big deal. They just had a little too much candy and they were trying to 
order with one another. And it didn't go well for all of us. And I wasn't even involved. I could offer forgiveness. She said, well, that, we start small. Because there is times when I will, I've had to offer myself forgiveness because I know I've really messed up. I didn't deserve it. But if I'm going to be an Easter person, and I do, forgiveness is the path. I don't know where you are. And I don't know where you are going. But I know if we will allow the forgiveness of Easter to be in us, and we start to give it to others, every day will be resurrection Sunday. Every day will be a day of life and paradise, both now and forevermore. We pray with you. Father God, I thank you for this time. Lord, I just ask that you would just continue to provide us with the hope that comes from the cross of Christ and in him alone. Lord, that as we, we are reminded that you are risen, you are risen indeed this day and every day. And so that any day and every day is the day of salvation for the forgiveness of sins. That sometimes the most honest prayer we can pray is, Lord, remember me. And then to hear your words in us. No, we don't deserve it. There's nothing we can do to earn it. And there's nothing we do after we have accepted it that makes us worthy of it anymore. But it is because of who you are. Because of your life, death, burial, and resurrection. We can say forgiveness can be mine because of who you are. So Lord, if there's someone that is seeing this or hearing this, whether in person, online, or later, they would just accept it. And they would allow your forgiveness to transform their life. And Lord, may those of us who have accepted allow transformation, allow forgiveness to transform our lives even more and others' lives as we seek to be people of hope in a world that struggles with hopelessness this day. Lord, we thank you for Easter. And we thank you for Jesus, the man in the middle cross, who says, we can come to you because of him. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we praise in Jesus' name. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And because of that, we have hope.